TII item 396, June 22nd, 2016, digging into iOS 10 beta 1. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode is sponsored by Bowl and Branch. Visit bowlandbranch.com and use promo code TII to save 20% off your order and to get free shipping. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I'd like to thank Luke for sending in the music here in the background. Luke wrote, Hi, Rob. Upgraded my iPad 3 to the new iPad Pro 9.7 last week. Thought I would make you some music using GarageBand, running iOS 10 and loving it. Regards, Luke Rowe. Well, thanks, Luke, for this music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Chris for sending in the artwork for today's show. Chris wrote the following. Hi, Rob. Here is the new Siri icon with macOS for you with TII branding. Text added with Avery app. Regards, Chris in London. Well, thanks, Chris, for sending in the artwork. And folks, you can see Chris's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 396 or at Instagram.com slash todayios and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at Facebook.com slash todayios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. And once again, yes, I'm down to just a song or two in the queue. So if you have some music created on an iOS device, please, please, please send it in. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, for those of us without Apple tattoos, the reaction to Apple's new iPhone 3GS announced on Monday seems to look pretty unanimous. That's it. Unquote. Nick Moki, Digital Trends, 8th of June, 2009. For as long as there has been coverage of Apple products, there have always been those that say, that's it. Then said product gets widely adopted and they blame the folks that drank the Kool-Aid as being blind followers that will buy anything. They just don't seem to get there is a lot more to Apple's new product than a spec sheet. Just saying. No promo codes this week. If you are a dev or iBook author, shame on you for not sending in your promo codes. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook, indicating you are the dev or the author up front. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. And if your app happens to be free or your iBook happens to be free, you can still send in a 60-second or less review. We'll just play it later in the episode. Like last year, I'm going to go over some of the changes in the Settings app from iOS 9 to iOS 10. Well, last year was iOS 8 to iOS 9. This is based on the Settings app for the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, the version with cellular and Wi-Fi. First item is that Siri was moved from inside the general category and now is its own major category under settings. So if you were looking for it under general, it's no longer there. It's now under the main categories under settings. The one option added in Siri is the option to access on lock screen. You can now toggle that on or off. Interestingly, allowing H-E-Y Siri, which was previously selected, 
After the update, that was turned off now. Under the general category, the one new subcategory is dictionary. By default, American English and also Apple Dictionary is selected for those in the U.S. Under handoff and suggested apps subcategory, they added the option for suggested apps to be apps on the App Store. And installed apps is still there as well. Under the subcat for accessibility, there are a few changes. First, the vision grouping. It was five options, voiceover, zoom, invert colors, grayscale, and speech. Now it's these five new options, voiceover and zoom, then magnify, display accommodations, and speech. Magnify, quote, lets you use your device's camera to quickly magnify things. When enabled, triple check the home button to start magnifier, unquote, which is kind of a nice option there for um, triple tapping on your home button. Under display accommodations, invert colors is now moved, and you have the option for color filters, which can be used to differentiate colors by users who are colorblind and aid to users who have difficulty reading text on displays. And under display accommodations is also reduce white points, which reduces the intensity of bright colors and used to be, that used to be under increased contrast. For speech, there is now a new subcat, typing feedback. And under this subcat are the features characters, character hints, speak words, speak auto text, and hold to speak predictions. All of these can be toggled on or off. All are off by default. A few changes for accessibility is there, but not a lot of changes, not compared to previous years. Under keyboards, they added a subcat, hardware keyboard. This lets you pick the type of hardware keyboard you are using. Choices they give are US, US International PC, ABC Extended, British, French, German, Spanish, ISO, Italian, Belgian, Dutch, Dorn, Dvorak, and Colmark. So if you felt like I was stretching a bit there to find differences under the settings general, you would not be alone. Under the main category for notifications, in iOS 10, the notification view options are gone. They were sort order and also group by app. Both options are no longer under notifications. Under Safari, there is now the option to check for Apple Pay, which is a simple toggle on off switch. Home is a brand new major category, and this is some options for that new app. One is use iCloud. iCloud and HomeKit must be enabled when signed into an iCloud account. Two, use this device as a home hub. Quote, using an Apple TV or iPad as a home hub allows automation, remote access of your accessories, and provides more powerful user permissions. iPad must remain in the home and be continually powered on for these features to work, unquote. And three, reset HomeKit configuration. So those are the three settings that are under Home. I will stop there per the settings changes, and next time I'll pick up at the Music App settings, and we'll finish from there. After all, some of you may be driving, and I think that's about as much as you can handle or I can handle at 2 in the morning reading. What I'm really interested in is your feedback and what you guys thought and gals thought about iOS 10, of course, always give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Give me your thoughts on iOS 10. First off comes from Myron Euchre. Quote, I think out of yesterday's announcements at WWDC, one thing I'm most looking forward to is Swift Playgrounds, 
even though I'm an adult and it is tailored towards kids, I think there can be some valuable learning potential via that app. Plus, it runs on my iPad, unquote. Myron could not agree with you more. Can't wait for it to go live. It wasn't live as of yesterday when I checked, but I am looking forward for that being available. The apps there, just nothing. There's no content live in the app yet. But my son is looking forward to using that as well. So can't wait for Swift Playgrounds. Again, I believe, too, that was the most significant announcement out of WWDC. And a quick update. I went into the Swift's Playground app, and it is now live. The content's in there, and the fundamentals of Swift, Learn to Code 1, is now available for you to download. And it looks like Learn to Code 2, uh, Beyond the Basics, is available, as is the drawing sounds and the blink. So if you have the beta and you have an iPad, you can go ahead now and get access to the Swift fundamentals and get the content there and start going through that. So I am looking forward to having my son play with that next week. He's going to be home alone here with me. The wife's going out of town with my other son. So during the day, I'm going to have him go through these fundamentals and see how he does. So uh, reporting back on that in a couple weeks. But yes, if you have an iPad, iOS 10, Swift Playgrounds, app, the content is now live. All right, one more correction here. Learn to Code 2, Beyond the Basics, is not available. But... Fundamentals of Swift, Learn to Code 1 is, as is Drawing Sounds and Blink. So they are all available. Hi, Rob. iOS 10 did not really wow me, and the Apple Music did not wow me either. They focus too much on iMessage, but hopefully when the beta is over with, I'll like it. I wish 3D Touch would come to the iPhone 6, but hey, what can you do? Regards, Charday. And then a couple days later, Charday wrote in, Hi, Rob. Okay, I like a couple of the things in iOS 10. The dark mode with the Apple Music. I like that you can read the lyrics to the song that you're listening to. So I guess iOS 10 is growing on me. Regards, Charday. From Tosino. Hi, Rob. Sad to have to leave you iOS 10, but it was rough while we were together. You kept shutting down on me. Good to be back on familiar ground. 9.3.2 now feels like a breath of fresh air. My home and power buttons are sore from the hard resets. Regards, Tosano. Hi, Rob. Here's a sorely needed new feature in iOS 10. Hearts on thumbnails of favorited pictures. Glad to see that it's been added. Regards, Stephen Watley. Stephen agree. That's a really nice feature now. When you find a, a picture that you want to print out, you can go ahead and heart that thumbnail so you know when you go back, and there was a few of them that looked the same, the one that you hearted is the one that you print. So that is really nice to have, and that heart showing up there in the thumbnail when you're going to go print out a few pictures or email off a few pictures in a row. Back to the email back. Hi, Rob. I went against my better judgment as well as your advice and put iOS 10 developer upgrade on my main iPhone 6 Plus. And the results of my recklessness is, drumroll please, flawless operation. Maybe an improvement over 9.3.3 public beta 2. I love the new features of iMessage, and I could be the best argument for an Android holdout such as my wife to come over to the right side when she can't get hand-drawn love notes from her hubby via text. I have been putting iOS 10 through regular tasks with a smooth flow. I haven't had the unstable experience that was reported by some of the YouTube testers, I also have installed iOS 10 on my 4th gen uh, iPad, 4th gen, 
and I was surprised to see that 10 really improved performance. In closing, I will not suggest that everyone go out and install iOS 10 on their main iPhone or iPad. I would suggest that you do it on a secondary device. To sum it up, do as I say, not as I do, or I got lucky again. Regards, Shane C. And then Shane wrote back, Hi Rob, I want to give you the five days later update. We have installed iOS 10 on three devices so far. Our son's iPad Air 2, my iPad 4th Gen, and my iPhone 6 Plus. And here are the results. The iPhone 6 Plus 1.9 gig download, uh, biggest out of the three models we tested, for the most part runs great with the odd bit of gumming up and opening up apps, but not a big deal for me. However, at times when you are pushing the CPU, it sort of goes into this kind of reboot process for about 30 seconds. Screen will go dark with that little spinning flower type thing as if you're shutting it down and then we'll go right back into the screen asking for your passcode. However, you can just use your fingerprint to unlock the phone. So far, this has happened to me about a half a dozen times with fairly heavy use. Although it doesn't bother me to the point of regretting the upgrade, I would suggest that the average user may wish to wait until the public beta released next month before dipping their toes into the new flavor of Kool-Aid. However, if you're like me and you don't mind the odd glitch or enjoy having bragging rights, then this is the upgrade for you. For me, the biggest change is not having to swipe right to access the lock screen iPad 4th Gen, a 1.4 gig download. After five days of moderate use, I can say that iOS 10 runs really good on it. To me, it runs as if iOS 10 was a fresh install. My son was disappointed that Swift Playgrounds was not installed on his older iPad. iPad Air 2, 1.8 gig download. My son has been testing this very heavily. He loves it, runs really well, and to his delight, had the Swift Playgrounds app on it. Okay, summary and final thoughts. Depending on your personality and use of your iOS device, thought should be put into doing any sort of upgrade, especially when it's a developer edition. If your job or safety or communication with the rest of the world depends on your device, you're not much for troubleshooting. You'd like things to be absolutely predictable or have a Homer Simpson-like temper, please hold off on upgrading. However, if you like to show how in you are with the Apple to your friends, you don't mind taking the odd glitch in the name of progress, this may be the upgrade for you. Thank you, and I look forward to show 396. Enjoy the weekend week. Regards, Shane C. Shane, thank you for all your feedback. And folks, remember this. Right now, the betas are only available to devs. If you're not a dev or you don't have a personality like a dev and you don't have to do the updates, and if anything going wrong is going to upset you, don't do the update to the beta. Don't go out and try to find it. Wait until it's at least a public beta. Again, unless you are someone that is a dev or is willing to be as flexible as a dev and have some technical acumen, hold off on upgrading right now to the beta. It sounds like one new feature added in iOS 10 is the one my wife has been waiting for. And that is in iOS 10, it automatically knows where and remembers where you parked your car and will show you where in Apple's map your car is located. In theory, this makes sense. It can tell when you're driving versus when you're walking. It can tell when someone parks their car and gets out of the car based on motion sensors. And it just flags your location. 
no more will my wife be going through the parking lot holding down the alarm button as the alarm is above her head as she's walking through hoping to trigger the alarm on her car to find it. Now she will just need to open the Maps app and it will lead her right back to her car. This is one of those features she might even let me put a beta on her phone for. But not one of the first few betas. I'm being kind when I say she has lost her car a few times in a parking lot. And yes, she will openly admit it. So this, again, will be one of those killer features that many people like my wife will love and depend on. And glad to see this one added. On the last episode, we said on the bingo card that we got a check mark for being able to delete stock apps. Mm, not exactly. Seems when you tap on that little X for the stock apps that show the little X, you're not actually deleting the apps. You are just deleting the user data associated with the apps and then hiding the app icon from view. The actual app binary does not actually go anywhere and you don't save space you thought you were saving. Sorry to all those 16 not close enough storage gigabyte devices out there. That said, of all the apps you can delete, Apple claims together they only use about 150 megabytes of storage. The complete list of stock apps that can be hidden are Calculator, Calendar, Compass, Contacts, FaceTimes, Find My Friends, Home, iBooks, iCloud Drive, iTunes Store, Mail, Maps, Music, News, Notes, Podcasts, Reminders, Stanza, Stocks, Tips, Videos, Voice Memos, Watch App, and Weather. Again, tapping on the little X, they're not deleted. They're just hidden really, really well. There is a certain type of article that comes out each year, this time right after WWDC, and it is the X number of new iOS features that you don't know about. And this year is no different than any other year, and already there are a bunch of those features out there. And I will try to cover one or so each week, as there are a bunch of new features. First up is from Johnny Evans at Computer World, with the creative title, quote, 12 iOS 10 features you probably don't know about, unquote. And of course, then he says he will offer up Baker's Dozen, and then actually has 14 different items. So first thing is first, counting is not Johnny's strong suit. The first item he goes over is what he calls getting there. And it has to do with getting to the info via notifications and control center, and that Apple is making it easier to get info or to shortcuts without needing to unlock your phone. Which, by the way, is so easy and fast now that for the iPhone 6S, 6S Plus, and SE, they needed to add rays to wake to those devices just so that you can access content on the home screen without it, you know, accidentally unlocking because now touch sensor is much more sensitive. Well, at least for the 6S and the 6S Plus. Next, he mentions personal iMessages. We talked about this last episode about being able to send iMessages in your own handwriting. If you saw my handwriting, my wife would tell you that is not actually a good new feature. The calendar app? Now iOS will suggest calendar events like meetings and places based on iMessage threads. Creepy. And it can even offer times to leave and location suggestions based on data from both iMessages and email strings. Really creepy. That leads to Intelligence Everywhere, or Skynet, as it's more commonly known. This comes back to facial recognition, calendar suggestions, and even emoji suggestions based on what you type, plus, as we mentioned previously, better situational suggestions on typing. One not really talked about is what Johnny calls in the raw, and where you can now edit photos in raw, uncompressed image format to get better editing. 
The new clock is much better. Not only are there more features, but the UI is much better and more things are visible on one page. There is better storage optimization, which you know is needed for all those recently purchased 16, oh, what was I thinking gigabyte version phones out there. Collaboration was another item he mentioned, and we mentioned that on the last episode briefly, and it is nice now in notes that you can simultaneously collaborate on a notes document. He also throws in side-by-side Safari multitasking, really bringing his list up to 15 items now. Here is a neat feature. Unsubscribe. iOS 10 lets you unsubscribe from annoying newsletters with just a couple of taps. No need to visit a website where they will trick you into signing up for three more newsletters as you try to cancel the one you don't want to be in. Spam alert for iPhone calls was mentioned, but that was clearly gone over in the keynote. For those with 3D Touch, you can change the intensity of the flashlight based on how hard you are pressing the icon in the control center dock. Kind of cool. You will now be able to access the desktop and documents folder of your Mac running Mac OS Sierra from an iOS device using iCloud Drive. Where's my car? As mentioned before, a nice feature that my wife will love. And accessibility, as he mentions the Apple Watch activity app being optimized for wheelchair users. I should also say, though, compared to past years, there was less new accessibility features added this year. But maybe that's just because so many have been added the last few years, they were kind of stretched on what else to add. It's bad enough they move things around, which is one reason I go over where things are added and moved to earlier. Hopefully that helps those of you that are using VoiceOver, for example, and looking for where series controls are, rather than searching all over the general where it was. Um, now you can go see where it's been moved to. And, and I got to imagine each of these upgrades are really tough for people that are using VoiceOver trying to find items. So hopefully when we go over where things are moved, it's going to help you. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Per and Branch. Okay, now I believe you. Why didn't you mention what's in this article? And he sent me a link to an article. Regards, Bill. Well, hi, Bill. Thanks for the link to the article about the founders of Bowling Branch. In short, it goes over their search for sheets that were created with cotton sourced from farmers that were well compensated and factory workers well treated. How they work to create a supply chain that improves the lives of farmers and factory workers, not one that exploits the workers. That's what that article really goes over. And to use organic cotton for both ethical and texture reasons. As I've said on the show before, bowl and branch sheets are the best feeling sheets you will ever own and ones you can feel good about owning. Go to bowlandbranch.com for 20% off your entire order and use promo code TII to get that 20%. Again, that's Bowl and Branch with Bowl spelled B-O-L-L, and use promo code TII to save that 20%. These sheets are only sold online at bowlandbranch.com. You can't buy them in any stores. That's how they keep the pricing low and free of markups. But here's the best part. Don't take my word for it. Try them out for yourself. 30 days risk-free. Bowl and Branch is so sure you're going to fall in love with their sheets that they will give you 30 nights to try them out. If you don't love them for any reason, they will take them back and refund you without any hassle at all. They also have towels, and the ones I purchased for my wife are by far the best towels in the house. Plus, they have other cotton products. Yes, I am a customer of Bowl and Branch. Go online to Bowl and Branch with Bowl spelled B-O-L-L. Go to bowlandbranch.com. Use promo code TII to save 20% off your entire order of sheets, towels, blankets, duvet covers, 
beach towels, everything, plus free shipping, and all the products come beautifully packaged in their signature boxes. Thanks, Bowling Branch, for sponsoring the show. Hey, Rob, this is Danny from North Central Arkansas. Had something uh, interesting happened to me the other day. I bought a new, it's actually a pre-certified iPad from the Apple from Apple.com. So I set it up as a new device. I did not store backups to it. Set it up as a new device. Signed in with my Apple ID. I turned on all the sync settings except for uh, iCloud Photo Library. Everything else was turned on. And of course, I had to connect it to my home Wi-Fi. And the peculiar thing was, I thought since it was a new device, it's only going to recognize my home Wi-Fi because that's the only thing I set up on it, right? Well, no, I take it to a place that I use Wi-Fi frequently. It has a unique uh, username and password on their Wi-Fi network, which I helped set up there. But anyway, my device automatically connected to it. This new device set up as new. The only Wi-Fi I knew about was my home network, which is a completely different name and password than this, this location. So I wasn't aware of um, Wi-Fi syncing, but apparently... Apparently, the Wi-Fi settings synced over through iCloud from my old iPad or my other devices. I don't know. I've never heard of such a thing. So I thought I'd ask if does anybody uh, know how that works. And I thought, you know, each Wi-Fi network had to be set up uh, individually. And then, you know, one got deleted or you, you got a new device, you would have to enter that information in again. But uh, it didn't happen with me. So anyway, I just wondered if you knew how that works or if one of uh, the other listeners might know. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Danny, thanks for the voicemail message. And if anyone out there can explain this to Danny, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Per the question about the issue with USB for a car stereo, I quit using the USB to car stereo because it would reset my music playlist to the beginning. It's a bummer, sort of, but... Using the auxiliary jack, you can vary the volume from the phone, which you can't do on USB. Sometimes that's easier. Regards, Mike R. Mike, thanks for the email feedback. We are now over 3,000 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that's joined, and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came was from Martin Infante on June 15th, who posted the following. Quote, installed iOS 10 on my 6S Plus, I gotta say, it's pretty good. Couple of bugs here and there, but pretty good nonetheless. We'll see how it goes in the weeks to come. Who else has upgraded? What are your thoughts? Unquote. To which there were a few replies. Kareem Haskett replied, quote, I've installed it also. I'm really enjoying it so far. Unquote. Matthew G replied, quote, I think about, I'm thinking about testing it on my iPhone 6 Plus. My 6S Plus is my personal fun phone. How does it do on crashes? Crashing the whole phone. I want to test it on my work phone so that my personal phone isn't compromised, but obviously I can't. if I can't take calls or messages, that's no bueno. I might just wait for the public beta and hope that version isn't too far behind the dev build, unquote. And then Cream H replied, quote, I have not had any crashes on my iPhone 6S Plus yet. I have had an app or two crash though. Uh, the phone feels a lot smoother than I expected for a beta, though. I have it installed on my iPhone 6S Plus as well as the larger iPad Pro. 
3D Touch makes it much more enjoyable. Um, on the phone, though, 3D Touch is far more advanced than iOS 10, unquote. Aaron Iber replied, quote, running iOS 10 on both iPhone 6S and iPad Pro, so far very stable. News app crashes on the phone, but not the iPad for some reason. Really only bug I've encountered so far, unquote. And then Martin replied back, quote, it crashed on me once while locking my exposure on the camera app. Other than that, it's been pretty solid. Message app is pretty cool. Invisible ink, I like it. And I'm testing third-party apps. I'll report back with positive and negative feedback, unquote. And I'm going to say this, folks. This is me now talking. HBO, no bueno on the iPad Pro 12.9 inch. Very flaky, doesn't work. Get the little spinning wheel. Um, Martin did post the next day after all this string, and he said, quote, so the bugs um, mob on iOS 10 so far for me anyway, are one springboard crashes when inserting a picture to the new iMessage, two springboard crashes when locking exposure in photo mode, three random reboot while on a phone call, bummer. Looks like I'm going back to iOS 9 until the final release, unquote. Folks, past experience has shown for these betas, if you need your device for work and travel, Best not to install the first three or four betas as a minimum. Since I'll be traveling a bunch, it will be at least beta 5 before I update my iPhone to iOS 10. My iPad Pro, I will somehow live with the issues and hope HBO Now app gets an update and works when beta 2 comes out. If you are someone that likes things perfect with no issues, yeah, good luck with that on any release. But forget about it completely with the betas. Or even the first Goldmaster for iOS 10.0. Really, 10.1 will be for those of you that don't like issues. That said, if you are a dev and need to do some testing, it's not so bad as far as first betas go. Still would not put this on my primary device, however. Since the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens and dozens of other new posts and comments in the TI Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboy free zone and spammer free zone, which kind of are the same thing. Yep, it's the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 3,000 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Also from the Google Plus community were these comments per the last episode, which, by the way, I always pin the last episode at the top so you can leave comments there. From Karthik M, quote, This WWDC was a little disappointing. No out-of-the-box thinking, just incremental updates. Why put so many features on lock screen? It will be a security issue, unquote. From Keith Y, quote, As you can now, you can very likely still stay secure in iOS 10 by turning off access to features from the lock screen. I have disabled all of them in iOS 9. With Touch ID so easy, I just unlock with a quick thumb touch. But yeah, I too was excited, not excited by the lock screen stuff in the keynote, unquote. From Karthik M. Again, quote, I have to disable most of the content from the lock screen. The whole idea of Touch ID when it first came was the ease of getting across the lock screen. It looks like they are trying to make the lock screen the new home screen, unquote. And then from Craig B., quote, I tend to allow 
everything possible on the lock screen. I'm much more concerned about convenience than security. I'm glad we have the option of seeing content without having to unlock the screen and navigate to various apps, unquote. Now, I'll say this myself personally. I can already see me talking about multiple articles in October, November, December about how someone found some way around the lock screen because of all these added features. Sure, you can turn them off, but most are just going to go with the default settings. So I have to agree with Karthik. I can't imagine this being anything other than a security issue, an article or two or three or four in the Q4 of this year. Now, Rob seems the four inches seem to be a popular size. Regards, Dr. John M. Well, thanks, Dr. John. And he sent over an article that talks about what we had suggested. There was a lot of pent-up demand for the four inches. So much so that they're hard to get at all the different versions right now. As of June 18th, the iPhone SE Space Gray model with the 16 way too little storage gigabyte version, it was only in stock at one store in Manhattan, and if you ordered it online, it was a two-week wait. will be interesting to see how long before we see another update to the 4 inches, but hoping it's at least every year they're going to update that and don't go two more years before they update the 4 inches again. From John Poyser, quote, removing headphone jack from the iPhone is dumb. I agreed with updating from the 30 pin to the lightning, but removing the audio jack for the sake of a thinner phone is dumb. I use Bluetooth headphones a lot, and I still want to keep the headphone jack for lots of reasons. Some of them are well captured in this article, unquote. And he's talking about an article titled, quote, taking the headphone jack off iPhones is user hostile and stupid, unquote. Which, as you can tell from the article, Uh, from the title of the article, is one of those neutral pieces that weighs both sides of the argument equally. Or not. The article does make some great points, though. First is the issue of digital audio. That means DRM and the nightmare that comes with it. But really, it is the dongle issue, more importantly than the first point, and that users are not, repeat, N-O-T, not asking for this feature, or change. Let's call it change. It's definitely not a feature. And interestingly, on the 17th, four days before this article came out, I received the following email. Hello, Rob. Thanks for a great podcast. Especially happy to the attention that you give accessibility being a voiceover user myself. Ever since I first heard rumors about Apple getting rid of the traditional headphone jack on the iPhone 7, I have had been wondering how they're going to resolve the following problems with this moves going to result in. One, how to use headphones while charging the device. If the phone has only a single lightning port, it cannot be used simultaneously for charging and listening to example podcasts. Two, many people make music with their iOS devices, including myself. There are a number of great accessories that connect to the iPhones and iPads through the lightning port. If the device has only lightning uh, port, you cannot connect, example, a better quality microphone and headphones for monitoring what you record. I suppose problem one could be resolved by using wireless headphones, but especially for voiceover users, this would decrease usability considerably as most of the wireless headphones available have some degree of latency when transmitting the audio from the device to the headphones, and this delay makes it very cumbersome to example input text with voiceover. 
Moreover, you cannot use wireless headphones for monitoring your recordings, especially if you are making music with multiple tracks. In short, because of these rumors, this is the first time in years I am not thrilled about the upcoming new iPhones as I have been before. Best regards, Kimo. I'm not going to even try your last name there, Kimo, from Tempere, Finland. Well, thanks, Kimo, for your feedback. And John, thank you for the link to the article from The Verge. All right. Now that most rumor sites have settled into the belief that the headphone jack for the iPhone 7 is dead, as in D-E-A-D, gone, no more, kaput. Mac Otakatara, oh, I always can't pronounce that one, but Mac Otakatara, it's the one in Japan, the good Mac blog there. They just released a post that says, it is, well, only mostly dead. And actually, the headphone jack will be in the iPhone 7 after all. Some are suggesting Apple is backing down on the plan to remove the headphone jack as they see some of the backlash to a couple of Android phones that were just announced that are sans the headphone jack. And also from articles like, well, that one on The Verge and emails like those from Chemo. It is possible Apple is listening and saying, you know what, let's not give our users a reason not to upgrade. So one camp is sans headphone jack camp. On the rumor side, that seems to be the bigger camp, but now there's a new smaller camp, and it is the, no, it will have the headphones jack. But what if there was a third camp altogether? What if Apple baby-stepped into the Sans headphone world and released the iPhone 7 where it supported digital audio out via the lightning port and even provided the adapter, but also had the analog 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, but rather than provide wired headbuds, provided wireless earbuds, where you have the option to buy the wired analog headphones still. So give people the ability to see what can be done with digital audio, but keep the analog jack for one more generation. That would be an interesting play. Expect more about this part of the rumor in the weeks and months to come. And yes, I know you can already get audio in and out of the lightning port, but this would be something where it's really meant to be that way, and there's controls in there, and it would come with the lightning to audio adapter with the device. And then per the email earlier about how you could charge and listen, well, you could have a dongle that has a lightning port and a headphone jack. So you plug in the headphone jack, and then you have a lightning port where you can plug in power. So... There's a lot of things you can do with dongles. It just makes the dongle bigger, and the bigger the dongle, well, we won't go there. Just it makes things a mess. To the email bag. Hi, Rob. About time. You called it. Regards, Chelsea. Hey, Rob. Yeah, currency payment is dead and put to sleep. Regards, Michael. Yes, we are moving from the mostly dead story to the finally fully dead story, and that is currency which, when we most recently reported, could say it was just mostly dead. Now it's officially dead, or will be on June 28th. That is when Currency told its beta testers it is suspending all its current beta tests and postponing all future releases. It was always dead man walking, and on the 28th of June, walking it will be doing no more. Can't say we'll miss it, or are that surprised at all. It was a solution that never had the end user in mind. Hi, Rob. It's Kim from Salem, Oregon. I have one question about the Watch OS 3 SOS feature. How is Apple going to keep a whole bunch of people from accidentally dialing 911 when they get the Watch OS 3 
installed on their Apple Watch. I mean, someone's going to hold down the friends button just a little bit too long, thinking, oh, this will turn off the Apple Watch, and totally forgetting that that's not the case anymore. And how does it turn off the Apple Watch? Since the friends button is now the long press emergency button, you can't exactly hold the crown down because that'll summon Siri. How's that going to work? And how is Apple going to keep a whole bunch of people from this conversation? Hi. Um, no, there's no emergency. I just was testing out my Apple Watch, and uh, the 911 feature works, which is great. Bye. That'll be interesting. They should have some sort of a, I don't know, something, a fail-safe or something in there to prevent that from happening. Because if I was an emergency services uh, personnel, I wouldn't want a whole bunch of people accidentally calling 911 for no reason. I mean, when I had my flip phone, there was an actual kind of a fail-safe thing put in where if you dialed 911, there was this little musical tune that would play. And you, as it connected, you had that amount of time to uh, flip the phone closed if you accidentally dialed 911, which was great for me because sometimes that happened. Not that often, but sometimes. Anyway, um, I really love the show, and I hope that you're having a wonderful week. And thanks for putting out the show every week or so. I really enjoy all the information, and... Uh, it's really helpful getting your thoughts on um, different Apple features and different things that are things that are going on. Oh, by the way, I think you forgot to mention that uh, <laughs> Siri and the WWC DC totally dissed Android. It was or Windows. It was awesome because she said something about that she liked being in the um, aluminum. That she liked all the space and didn't regret the lack of Windows. Which was awesome. <laughs> that was wonderful. Little jab at Android and Windows there. That was wonderful. <laughs> ah. Anyway, I hope you have a great week and uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Bye. Kim, thanks for the voicemail feedback. And folks, if you'd like to get a hold of us, give us a call 206 666 6364. That's 206 Moon Dog. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I am curious if any other listeners have commented about battery usage on their Apple Watch since the last watchOS update. My watch is consistently using 25% more battery power now, and today my wife commented that her Apple Watch ran out of power at 2 p.m. after being on her Apple charging stand all night. I have rebooted my Apple Watch twice, thinking this would help. However, this was to no avail. Any thoughts from you, the listeners, is appreciated. Regards will be on Honolulu. Well, Will... That's strange because for me, Apple Watch has been really good on the battery life. I I go the whole day now, and, and at the end of the day, I'm at 50 65%. I don't get below 50% at all anymore. So from my experience, at least, for the Apple Watch, it's been really, really good. Is there certain apps that you're running, and how often are you using it? Uh, I, 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 maybe if anyone else out there is having this issue and, and knows what it might be, let us know. Give us a call or shoot us an email today in iOS at gmail.com. This week for a Kickstarter project, we have another one of those you spell worse than a second grader projects. It is Smartcase, spelled 
S-M-A-R-T-K-A-S-E. One word. This one had a modest goal of 5K and has raised over 15K. Congrats. And you have until July 15th at 1.29 p.m. Central Time to fund the smart case with a K. And what is a smart case with a K? You may be wondering, or even if you're not, here is what they said it is. Quote, smart case is the next generation mobile case that will alert you if you've forgotten your phone. Find your phone if you have misplaced it. Trace your phone if it's lost or stolen. And protect your screen from bumps and falls. It also has a built-in tracker and a sound notifier that will prevent you from losing your phone. SmartCase is linked to a controller, which is designed in the form of a keychain. The controller has an inbuilt sound notifier, which will alert you if your phone and the controller are separated by a distance of four meters, unquote. This is nice for all those that have ever put their phone down to get a cup of coffee or pay a bill and turned and walked away. Honestly, this is something the Apple Watch should be able to do. You get X feet away from your phone when you are not at home, and it should start vibrating like crazy. Maybe even be able to do the same when you're at work, um, as is home. It's kind of you're outside of a specific geofence from home or work, and you get X feet or meters away from your phone, and the Apple Watch starts vibrating. That's not a feature in watchOS 3. Maybe with background apps, one of you listening could write that app and make it a feature. Sorry, back to the smart case with K. Hey, it's funded. They don't need my love. Anyway, it will cost $40 for a case and a controller and is supposed to ship in October 2016. They claim the case is available for everything from the iPhone 5S to the iPhone 6S Plus and we'll all, they'll also going to do an iPhone 7 and 7 Plus when available, and they have the specs. Search SmartCase with a K at kickstarter.com. Back on episode 358, the Kickstarter project we featured that day was the Helix. From the show notes for that day, it was described as, quote, Here is a newer Kickstarter project I thought was neat, and it only has a goal of 7500 and, well, I'm actually surprised it is not funded yet. It is called Helix. So what is this unique device? Well, essentially, it is a storage slash dock for your Apple Watch cord and charger. What you do is wrap your charging cord around the charger and then slip it all into this case, and you have a compact little device where you can plug your directly into a wall and then charge your Apple Watch. And it is ideal for travel or freeing up clutter, unquote. Well, it never did get funded. But that did not stop the developer from pushing forward, and now the Helix is available for $20 at standout.com, link in the show notes. And they were nice enough to send me one, and it does exactly what I thought it would. It keeps everything nice and clean, and it is great for traveling or just plugging in where you don't want a lot of clutter. Thanks to Brandon for sending me this over to test. It is in my laptop bag now, as I have a bunch of travel coming up in the next few months. And I just love how it keeps everything nice and neat in my laptop bag. And I don't have that cord anymore from my Apple Watch all hanging out and around. If you were someone that tried to fund the Helix and were bummed that you did not get it, now you can look for the Helix link in the show notes for episode 396 at todayinios.com or in the Today in TII app. I am sure I'll be talking about this more as I travel a bunch over the next four months. I'm... Excited to have this. Time to put down the Kool-Aid. We have talked many times about the issues with getting apps approved 
or through the approval process. Heck, my own TI app took over six times through the approval process before it was actually approved. It is often very subjective, depending on who is looking at your app and when. Kind of like when you're in high school, taking your driver exam. Have an early morning appointment on a Monday or Tuesday, and if the person giving the exam had a good weekend, you're likely to pass. Have the exam on a Wednesday or Thursday afternoon, late, and that person just found out their significant other was cheating on them? Yeah, you're toast. It's that type of subjectivity in the review process for apps that has many calling the process comical at best. Well, evidently the use of the term comical was used one time too many, and then the folks at Apple in their great wisdom forgot that there's a difference between comical and comic. Because, I kid you not, Apple released a comic book that goes over the app review guidelines. Link in the show notes. To say this belongs in the WTF, were they thinking bucket, way overvalues any other items in the WTF bucket right now. Because, you know, as a dev, when you submit your app and have it rejected, nothing makes you feel better than going to a comic book with oddly angry young girls in plaid miniskirt saying, 2.1 app completeness. What? This comic book is so bad, you almost think it was a spoof. But it was not. Seems Apple did a crossover between Marvel and overly tight spandex theme to then a Dragon Ball Z with every girl in plaid miniskirts look partway through. And then they made another turn and, of the comic book and then went at the end and crossed over to some kind of weird crime noir Dick Tracy feel. And I'm not even going to go where the last frame with a woman and a horse together could possibly take us. That would be wrong on too many levels. I'll just say again, Apple, given all the headaches you have put devs through on the inconsistencies of the app approval process, did you really stop and think this comic book was a good idea? Really? By the way, comical and comic books. Yeah, they're two different things. Whoops, and there goes my invite to WWDC 2017. Hi, Rob. I have a question about my LG tones that I use every day with the iOS podcast app. When I click fast forward or rewind, it skips to the next or previous podcast on my playlist. I would like the 15-second forward skip like I get when I fast forward with the player on my iPhone. I have not been able to find a setting for this anywhere. Any help would be much appreciated. I am somewhat new to the iOS world, and on Android phone, it skips forward 15 seconds. Regards, Jared F. Folks, I'm going to throw this one out to you. If you can help Jared, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Again, those are for those LG tones, or you can shoot us an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Thanks to Chris and Michael H. and others for this next one, which quickly is to say that a jailbreaker has already jailbroken iOS 10 beta 1. Not that it matters now, as they're not going to release it until at least the Goldmaster is released, but at least it shows that iOS 10 as is, is still jailbreakable. will be interesting to see if future betas break the jailbreak. And I wanted to share a little news about Podcast 411. If you're a Podcast 411 listener, I wanted to let you know Podcast 411 is back. If you go to podcast411.com, you'll see a new episode. Heck, you'll see a new website and blog. The current interview is with Ben Greenfield from Ben Greenfield Fitness Podcast, and more new interviews will be coming shortly. We'll be releasing about every other week or so to be opposite of the weeks that I do the feed. So again, go and check out Podcast 411, 
And if you have never been a listener, please go to iTunes and the, or the podcast app and click subscribe. Search for podcast 411, one word. Click subscribe. It really helps me out when you do that. What's your favorite new feature in iOS 10? That one. No, that one. Or maybe that one. Yep, that one. What's your favorite new feature in iOS 10? My preferences are constantly changing, especially when you edit them in settings. What's your favorite new feature in iOS 10? My name is Siri, and I was designed by Apple in California. That's all I'm prepared to say. What's your favorite new feature in iOS 10? I don't like to play favorites. Thanks again to Bowl and Branch for sponsoring this episode. Folks, go right now to bowlandbranch.com with bowl, spelled B-O-L-L, and use promo code T-I-I to save 20% off the nicest sheets and cotton products you've ever owned with free shipping to boot. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG, or record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you had about something else, an app or product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS-related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for a new artwork to feature on the show that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. I'm basically out of music. It's your show and your feedback and content is greatly desired. Also, don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And finally, check out the newly updated TII app. It's free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It's the best way to consume the show and get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. It's fully voiceover friendly, of course. Go right now and download the TII app. And folks, that is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Lipson.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Lipson.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.
well, one of them anyway, was the uh, Apple Watch, uh, Watch OS 2, uh, SOS, whatever. <laughs> Is it going to do it? Hi, Rob. It's Kim from Today in Iowa. <laughs> Oh, man. Try that again. <laughs>